think if I drop the mic, do a mic drop, though, Marty might kill me, so I don't think I'll be doing any of those shenanigans. Hey, I wanted to say thank you for all of you ladies. I had the best time at Holodazzle with you guys. I promised you there would be coffee. There was coffee. I promised weird things would happen. There might have been a cricket and a coffee cup involved. If you weren't there, you just have to come next time, figure out what all that means. I don't know. That, that may have happened, Taylor Madison. <laughs> we just had the very best time, and I forgot to do something, though. I wanted to thank some of the ladies who made this happen. Um, I want to thank Sue Kaler, who worked many, many Many, 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 and many hours. And then also, um, Crystal Nicholson, are you here? Maybe she was at first service. There's Crystal, who also got the Women Behaving Badly Award. And her husband was not as impressed with that award as we were, but we were pretty impressed with it. That's a good thing. And then also, uh, Gayla Hickman, I see Leanne back there, Leanne Sublet. And is Monica here, or is she at first service? Monica? I'm saving you for last because I was gone to Texas many times, and it's also Taylor's fault. You notice how I'm blaming everything on my kids? That's why you have kids for a tax write-off, and so you can blame stuff on them. <laughs> so I blame you for everything. I love you, kid. You're a good tax write-off. Until Austin came along, now you're on my bad side now. <laughs> Six-hour drive. So I'm going back to Texas um, a couple more times to get some things going for the wedding. But while I was gone during this whole holodazzle season, Monica really picked up a lot of that slack. She headed up a lot of the things, did a bunch of the things, and coordinated a lot of things I did. So Monica, would you stand up? Thank you so much. I told my friend Velda in Texas, um, she's like, how are you doing all of this? And I said, well, I have a Sue and I have a Monica. And she's like, I want one. I said, get your own. They're mine. <laughs> so that's how that goes. But um, I also wanted to thank Billy Searcy did the most amazing meal and had a huge smile on his face. And we had a smile on our faces because it was delicious. And then the youth guys came in and served us. There were 11 of them who served us. And so we were treated like little queens and princesses. So we appreciate them so much. So thank you. We had a wonderful time. I was thinking uh, this morning, it's like before I really wanted to be awake, because I'm not an early morning person, but it's like, I guess God thought I should be awake, and I'm like, hi, I'm Trisha, and you've made me, and so, you know, I don't get up early, so why are you talking to me right now? But I listen, because, you know, he's God, and I'm kind of not, so he reminds me of that sometimes. I need reminding frequently, but I think he had something that um, he wanted me to share with you just real briefly. Um, I was thinking through this whole holiday season how crazy it gets. It is just so wild, and uh, we get so busy, and especially, I think, the ladies, because, you know, we're, like, doing the shopping and the wrapping and the everything, and it's like we can just have so many things on our shoulders that we can sometimes let the whole season pass by, and then it's January, and we're like, where did Christmas go? And we kind of forget the whole reason and the whole meaning behind the season. And um, this is one thing that I wanted to share, and especially after Pastor said the thing, you know, this can also be it's a very fun season, but a very difficult season for people. Some, some of you, it's, you know, your first Christmas without someone that you love. And some of you, you have just different reasons that it's a difficult time for you. But this is the encouragement that I got, I feel, from the Lord for you, is that there can be joy, there can be peace in the midst of everything, 
in the midst of everything. And I thought, okay, how does that peace come? How does that joy come? And I've shared this with you before, but I think it bears repeating. It's like the word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We find strength to carry on. We find strength to do what we need to do. We find strength just to stand strong through the Lord. And so we say, okay, well, if the joy of the Lord is my strength, I would love to have some of that. And it's like, is that on, you know, is there a Black Friday sale on that? Can I order it on Amazon? Where can I get this thing? But there's another scripture in the word that says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And if you look up that word fullness, it doesn't mean up to here. It's like when we were doing cupcakes the other day um, for Taylor shower, um, you know, I do the cupcakes and I do exactly a quarter of a cup because I want them exactly to match and be absolutely perfect because I don't want someone sitting in this chair being mad because they got more cupcake than this person in this chair. We just can't have fights at a shower. It's just not pretty. So I had mom help me, and mom's more generous with her portions than I am. And so her cupcakes were a little more than two-thirds full. They were almost to the top. And so when you put them in the oven, if you do that, they kind of go over, and then they do this Quasimodo thing, and they, like, the batter starts coming out, and it starts creeping out. And then you have more in there than what that little cupcake cup could even hold. And I was like, well, that's just ridiculous looking. Can't serve that one. Better eat it. So, and I thought about it. That's how God is. He doesn't go kind of quarter cup. He doesn't measure out and make sure you get just enough, you know, that you just won't shrivel up. No, he does more than enough. He is generous. As a matter of fact, mom, I think, was trying to make sure that not a single drop was missing and that we didn't really waste any of the batter. And so she was still scraping out. I'm like, mom, it's full enough. Stop. I was like, put the spoon down. It's like no more batter in that cupcake. And it's like overflow. That's how God does with us. He loves to scrape out every bit of blessing. When he talks about blessing, he says, you know, it's not enough. It's more than enough. He is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means more than enough. It's to the full, pressed down, shaken together so you can fit more in, and overflowing. He kind of does mom kind of cupcakes. He's not stingy, and he can afford it. So this holiday season, I want you to remember, be thankful, be grateful, get into that joy of the Lord, and how do you find the presence of God that brings that joy? Last scripture I want to share with you. The word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So whether you feel like it, whether you feel like things are wonderful and great and you just feel happy or you're a little down, things are a little more difficult, you're having some struggles, Praise him anyway. Find those things. I remember going outside the other day, and I was looking up at the hills, and it seemed like the whole place was on fire. It's like bright reds and these lipstick pinks and these radiant, vibrant oranges and yellows that look like they rivaled the sun. And I was like, look at what a good job you did, God. And I just started clapping. I was like, okay, people are going to drive by, and they're going to send me to the nutty ward. But that's okay. I was thankful. Show God how thankful you are. Be thankful. Look at your kids. Look at your family. Look at who you have around you. Look at the blessings you do have. Be thankful. Be grateful. Find those things. And in his, you know, in that praise, you'll find God's presence. In his presence, you'll find that fullness of joy. Amen? Amen. Lisa?
Lisa's dad passed away a few days ago. And uh, that was for you. The thankfulness. They told her that when uh, her dad came back in February that he wouldn't live more than a couple weeks. And he lived much, much longer than that. And you had that precious time with him. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for that. Amen. Amen. All right, have you got your Bibles this morning? Lift them up. Dave, I know you're ready. That whole seat of your pants thing, that was awesome. (laughs) All right, repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've really been enjoying this series. We're in our third week, and we're talking about attitude. As I mentioned to you guys years ago, I got my pilot's license, and one of the things when you're flying an airplane, there's there's actually an instrument called an attitude indicator. And when the attitude indicator is up, that means your attitude's good and your airplane is climbing. But if your attitude indicator is down, that means your attitude is what? bad. It's going down. And that means eventually you're going to run into something. And so we've talked about how our attitude in life, scripturally, our attitude has a lot to do with where we're going to end up in life. How many of you this week (laughs) are going to be with family, friends, and others that get together and you see, you walk into the house and there's Joe Bob. You haven't seen Joe Bob in a year and he starts coming over and you say, how are you doing? And the first words out of his mouth are, you ought to see this wart, or you ought to see this, that, and the other thing. And I've got a growth over here. And, and I mean, you're immediately, now you don't want to eat. You know, I mean, it's just their, their attitude, you, see, you know their attitude's going to be bad. Anybody know anybody like that? Their attitude stinks. And the truth is, they're no fun to be around because they're negative all the time. They're very predictable. I want to tell you something. If you have that kind of attitude in your life, if your nose of your plane of your life is pointed down, eventually it's going to impact and it's going to destroy not only your life, but the lives of many people around you. God talks to us a lot about that. He talks to us a lot about our attitude. And we're going to talk today on how to have a good attitude during storms. And I'm going to share a personal story from my experience as a pilot shortly that hopefully will minister to some of you guys. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, this. This is what he said. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I've told you these things in advance. In the world, there's going to be some storms. There's going to be some challenges. And, And I want you to understand today, right now, there are some of you that are in the middle of a storm. If that's you today... Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You are in a storm in your life right now. There are some of you that have come out of a storm and there's a storm behind you, right? And you're thankful you're past the storm. And then there are some of you that are maybe moving into a storm. But here's the truth. In your life, all the time, you will be in one of those three places. You're either in one, coming out of one, or going into one. Because life is very seasonal. And we have to recognize in our life that it's going to be that way. Listen to me, folks. Listen. I love it when everything in life goes awesome. I love it 
But I recognize also that there are going to be seasons in life that are hard. There are going to be seasons in life that are challenging. And we have to recognize those are going to happen. But the question in your life is, today, how do you handle life when it's like that? What do you do right now? Lisa's going through a storm. How do you react during those things? There are some of you in the room right now. You've got some things going on. Listen to me. How you react to the storms that you're facing right now is going to dictate the direction that your life goes from a little bit of this time forward. You know, life could be great, but then in a moment of challenge, a moment of storm, you can actually run yourself into the ground by making some bad decisions. So we're going to learn today how not to do that. We're going to talk and see what God has to say about it, and we're going to move on from here. Amen? So you guys ready for that? Turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for you. Yeah, turn to your other neighbor and say, uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. All right, well, here's some rules I want to give you. I got four rules for you today. And here's the first rule. Rule number one is you need to maintain the right attitude when the going gets tough. You need to maintain the right attitude when the going gets tough. And here's why that's important. Listen to me. This is a blank, one of your blanks on here. We tend to make bad decisions when we're under pressure. When we get under pressure, a lot of us will tend to make bad decisions. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I'm going to give you a very simple example. How many of you have ever gone grocery shopping while you're hungry? How many bad decisions do you make? Every single one, Every single one of them. Thank you, Heath. You go, hey, you can leave today. You can go to Walmart. You can, you can walk around and you can see the people making bad decisions. They're hungry. You know they're hungry because they're eating Snickers bars while they're walking down the aisle. You know, because they're hungry. They're not eating a banana, Twinkie. There you go. I mean, they're, you know, because when, when we're in a storm, when, when things are a little off kilter, we tend to make, as people, we tend to make bad decisions. How many of you have ever been in a tough time and you made some dumb decisions when you're in a tough time? Yeah. I've had people walk up to me and say, man, I was struggling and I did some dumb stuff when I was struggling. The problem is the consequences of those decisions during bad times can lead us down a path and now we have to recover from some of the decisions we, and we've compounded our problem. So it's important for you to maintain the right attitude when you're going through a storm. Listen, I can't tell you how many times there will be somebody in our church that's going through a life challenge and the first thing they do is they don't come to church. Yeah, they're going through a tough time. So what do they do? They, 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 they run away from the very place that's there to help them navigate the problem they're going through. And y'all, the devil does that. He wants you to do that. His whole plan, remember, his whole plan is to separate you from the herd and go after you. So what happens is when you're going through a hard time, it, it happens like this. Oh, man, I'm going through this struggle. I'm just going to stay home. Pretty soon you're in your PJs and you're licking the window. You don't know what happened. I mean, it just go, it, it went bad. I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> it didn't make sense. But it sounds bad. <laughs> But you know what I mean? And it just started off one little thing and pretty soon you're disconnected and depression sets in. And, and the very people that want to help carry you, you've locked yourself away from. And I've seen it time after time after time. 
So we have to maintain the right attitude when the going gets tough, right? Listen to this statement. Listen to me. When we're going through storms, what really matters, what really matters is what happens inside of us, not what happens to us. Say that again. When we're going through storms, what really matters is what happens on the inside of us, not what's going on the outside of us. Because listen, I said this the other day, but you need to hear it. If I want to know who you really are, I want to see you under pressure. Because who you, hey, it's easy to follow Jesus when it's easy. Everything's sunshine and rainbows. And I'm happy, but what happens when it gets hard? That's who you are. And God cares about what's going on inside of you. And let me just tell you something. Sometimes the storms that go on in life, God will allow some of these things to go on because he's working something inside of you. Listen to me, folks. God cares more about your character than your comfort. And God is a good father. And some of you maybe had an abusive father or a father that neglected you, but God is a good father. And sometimes he's going to discipline you and he's going to spank you for your own good. The Bible says that. The Bible actually says that God disciplines those he loves. How many of you have ever been around somebody that never disciplines their kids? Don't point, please. That's not nice. How fun is that? It's like a zoo, right? And there have been times, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're in a restaurant, and that child is over there, you know, they're doing whatever, and you're like, you've said this, just let me have them for two minutes. <laughs> Come on. You did, didn't you? Some of you are like, that's my child, that's, you know? <laughs> no. but, but God disciplines those he loves. Why? Because he, sometimes he disciplines us. He's working on stuff on the inside. Why? Because he wants us to be better. And he loves us, right? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Look what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, I, I had persecutions and sufferings. Look at the kind of things that happened to me. Watch this. While I was in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, he said there were persecutions. I went through a hard time. But I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, watch this. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, and, and you know, now look, that's not the scripture you want to give to somebody you're leading to the Lord, right? Hey, let me just tell you something. Come to Jesus. It's going to be hard sometimes. What a blessing, you know? I mean, but the truth is, I'm sorry, y'all. It's just... It happens. If you're a visitor day, yeah, it's like it's all the time. <laughs> but here's the thing. In life, it's going to get challenging sometimes. But Paul tells us right here, look, I endured it. And I didn't say this first service. The Lord just showed me this. This is cool. What if Paul would have given up? What if Paul would have said, this is too hard? Two-thirds of the New Testament would have never been written. Maybe Europe doesn't become the nation it's supposed to be. Maybe the, the fact that he didn't give up changed your life. What if there were people in your life that impacted you, but somewhere down the road it got hard so they quit? Now what happens? See, listen, folks, we do not live in a vacuum. Your life is not in a bubble. 
What you do matters not only to you, but to all the people around you. And sometimes it's hard and you have to endure. But notice what Paul said, the Lord delivered him. And he will deliver you. Amen? All right, let's look at number two. You need to realize, this is good, y'all. You need to realize that the rough weather won't last. The storm is only for a season. The storm is only for a season. Now, for those of you that are in a storm right now, it feels like it's going to go on forever, doesn't it? It does. It feels like, when is this ever going to stop? But you need to understand something. This is where your attitude matters. You need to realize this is not going to last forever. This is a season. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a season. And if it's hard for you right now, it's a season. But if you'll endure, and we're glad you guys stuck it out. If you'll endure, then other people can benefit from that. But you have to walk through it. Amen? It's truth. One of my dad's favorite sayings, I've heard him say it my whole life. He'd say, son, this too shall pass. This too. How many of y'all have said that before? It's true. Uh, Don Fancher, I don't think Don's in here right now, but Don earlier in the week had a kidney stone. Brother, this too shall pass. Amen? He sent me a text when it's done. This too shall pass. And it did. And he was happy. But the truth is, that's, that's how life is sometimes. Sometimes your life, you, like, you have a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. You just got to stick it out. Amen? Look at number three. Try to make major decisions in your life before the storm. Try to make major decisions in life before the storm. You know, any pilot, any pilot will tell you that the weather is the greatest challenge that they face. However, by using radar and other sources, you can decide what the weather is going to be before time. And, and Ronnie and I talked about this. He and I went flying the other day, and we were getting ready to go. And, and I said, hey, you want to go? He said, yeah, check the weather, and it's good. That was the first comment. You don't fly when the weather's bad. What's the point when your life? Sometimes you need to look at where you're going, and there are times you need to say, I don't need to go do that. Right? There are times in your life you need to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't go there. How many of y'all have ever seen the movie Karate Kid? Come on. Yeah, wax on, wax off, right? But I remember one of the stories in the show that the kids learning, for those of you that don't know, uh, that what I'm saying is if you're old. No, but I mean, some of you that, that have not ever seen that movie, there, there's a kid learning to, to do karate, and he's got a, an instructor, and the instructor's teaching him. And one of the things they talk about is, he says, how do you keep from getting hit? How do you keep from getting punched? And the guy says this to him, no be there. <laughs> I'll preach right there. How do you keep from getting punched? Don't put yourself in a position to get punched. And sometimes in life, many of the problems that we face, we can avoid if we just won't put ourselves into that situation. How many times in your life have you gone somewhere and you got there and it was not good and you said to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have come? Right? Yeah. That's true. There are times in your life you need to use wisdom. And when God warns you or God shows you things, you need to back off. Because here's the deal. 
Don't put yourself into a position that's going to harm you. You remember we talked a few minutes ago about making decisions when it's hard, going shopping when you're hungry. Let me show you a little chart. This is actually a chart that was created. And this chart shows you when you're supposed to make decisions. Now, when it's up is when things are good. And here's what they found. They did this research. This is what they found out. When things are good and you make decisions, you tend to make good decisions. <laughs> when it's bad, you tend to make bad decisions. So when should you make decisions? When things are good. You guys have got this. Okay, let's all go home. <laughs> but here's the truth. That's what the study shows. And I know that sounds really simple, but here's the problem. When we get low, when we get depressed, when we're going through the storm, we tend to make bad decisions. So here's what you need to decide now. I'm not going to make decisions when I'm going through these things. I'm not going to make decisions when I'm going through a crisis. What I'm going to do is wait until things are starting to move up and when I'm thinking clearly and then I'll make a decision. Young people, listen to me. If, if there's somebody around you young, turn to them and say, that's good right there. Right? Because how many of you wish somebody would have said to you, hey, don't make a decision right now. You're not going to make a good one. Amen? Here's rule number four. Stay in contact with the control tower. As a pilot, stay in contact with the control tower. You know, when I was going through my pilot training, Ronnie, how many pilots do I have? Does anybody else fly? Okay. Anybody that's gone through pilot training, if you look at the amount of time that you spend learning about weather and learning how to communicate, it's a lot of the time. It's as important as flying. We spend a whole lot of time learning how to talk, learning how to put the radio right so that you can communicate all the right. They talk to us all the time. Aviate, navigate, communicate. You're constantly being told that you need to stay in communication with the tower. And here's why. They're there to help you. They're there to help you. I'm going to tell you a true story that happened to me, and it's going to illustrate this. That's one of the reasons why this message to me is so important, because I lived this. Back a few years ago, I think it was about 1999, maybe 2000, I was consulting with a company in Houston. Their offices were at an airfield. So I had a friend that had an airplane, and I would rent it from him, and I would fly down almost every week for a few days to go meet with this company. It was really fun. And I'd learned, I was just learning how to fly. I'd only been flying like 30 or 40 hours. I was still a student. And, and this flight was usually easy because Texas weather, like ours, is usually pretty good. And, and so I was getting ready to head down. I checked the weather. Everything looked great, and I began to head down south. My instructor told me as I got ready to leave, he said, Now, Chris, when you get going down there, if anything begins to happen and you get nervous at all, contact the tower and let them know that you're a student pilot and they will help you. I said, okay. Looks like everything's going to be good. He said, just remember that. I said, yes, sir. So I had take off down there. I get about 30 minutes from my destination and, and I've been checking the weather as I'm flying and everything looks good. And I look ahead of me and there's a bank of clouds, dark clouds, storm clouds, and they're low. And, and I realize... That, that there's obviously a storm. And so I call the tower, and I tell them I'm a student pilot, and, and this is where I am. And he identified me on the radar. He said, are you here? I said, yes, sir. He knew exactly where I was. And I said, I'm looking at a storm. And he said, he said there's not a storm on our radar. 
what this storm was, it had blown in from the coast, and it's called a squall, S-Q-U-A-L-L. It was very small, but it was very intense, and it was so small that it didn't show up on their radar, but it was right there in front of me. And he said, he said I don't see this storm on a radar. I said, sir, I'm looking at it. Now I'm getting nervous. And about that time, the radio had been silent. I identified that I was a student pilot, and all of a sudden the radio began to light up. Other pilots in the area were listening to what was going on. They could hear the nervousness in my voice. Because, see, you're taught as a pilot, you never fly into a storm. Never fly into a storm. And so other guys began to call in, and even guys were looking, and, they were, and, and one guy, I'll never forget it, you could tell he was a professional pilot. He, he, he got on the radio and he said, I'm looking at the storm right now. It's a squall heading right towards him. So the control tower calls me back and says, go ahead and adjust your altitude to whatever you're comfortable with. See if you can get above it or below it. The storm was almost all the way to the ground, but I didn't know that, and I flew into it. The windscreen fills up. <laughs> Even now, it makes me nervous. I can't see. Airplane starts shaking. And the guy said, he's call, every two minutes, the control tower, because they knew I was a student, he's calling me, he's checking on me. Other pilots are checking on me. He says, I still see you. I said, I'm in it. He said, adjust your altitude. Well, some guys, Ronnie, they like to fly high. I like to get low. Baby, I'm about to strafe the airfield. I mean, I, I drop down because I want to see the ground. I want to... I get some comfort so I dropped down let me just tell you something in an airplane when you look at cows and they're the size of German shepherds you are low <laughs> but that's how I wanted to see the ground but because of the storm it had limited visibility and so I was like three or four hundred feet off the ground they cleared me to do that normally you don't get below a thousand feet from the nearest tall object and then the call came on the radio and here's what he said do you want to get out of the storm? Yes, sir. Here's what he told me. Pilots will appreciate this. He said, look at your instruments. Turn your aircraft 180 degrees. Which turned me all the way back around. But he said, watch your attitude indicator. Because at 300 feet, there was no room for error. And I turned that airplane and put out, and I will never forget. He said, I'm going to guide you to the nearest airfield. And I said, yes, sir. And he took me to the nearest airfield, and I popped out of that storm. And he said, there should be an airfield right down to your right. I said, yes, sir. He said, are you okay? I said, yes, sir. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to land. <laughs> the whole radio protocol thing was gone. So I got on the radio and I contacted the, the airport that I was landing at. It was, a, it was a base where there was military aircraft and civilian aircraft all parked all over the place. And, and I got into the pattern. Well, all the pilots know when you get in the pattern, you call everywhere you are so other pilots will know where you are. And, and I skipped all that. I, I got on the radio and I said, I called in my call sign and they answered. And they said, yeah, yeah. I said, I said I'm landing where are you? I'm landing now. <laughs> and I did. Landed, pulled up to the office. The owner of the airport is out there waiting for me because he's been listening. He walks outside. Son, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Aircraft stinks a little bit, but you know, I'm good. 
don't mind the smell. <laughs> my, my instructor always told me two things. He said, whenever you land, first thing you do is you call your wife. Second thing you do is you call me. So I calmed myself down, and I called Trisha. Hey, babe, how you doing? I'm good. How's everything? Oh, it's nice. Did you run into everything? A little bit. It's okay. You all right now? Yes, ma'am. Okay, see you in a little bit. Okay. Hang up the phone. Call my instructor. Now, he was, he's Swiss, uh, German accent, heavy German accent. I can't do it. <laughs> but but he, he said, hey, Chris, how you doing? And I said this, I almost died. <laughs> Straight up, y'all. He's like, what? I said, I almost died. I really did. He said, explain to me what happened. And I told him the whole story of what I just told you. Here's what he said. You did exactly what you were trained to do. And it kept you alive. The truth is, there's pilots that die all the time because they don't follow the steps that I did. And we're going to talk about that just real briefly. But for some of you right now, if you'll do these next couple of things, it will change your life. But you have to do it. Okay, listen, why do we not call out to the control tower? Why do we not call out to God? First thing is pride. It's pride. We don't want to do it because we got it. Come on. Some of you know exactly, some of you are that guy. I mean, person. <laughs> but, but you go, no, I got this. I got this. I could have said I got this all the way into a barn. What if I wouldn't have said anything? What if he would have said, well, there's no storm on the radar, and I'd have just said, well, I'll just go through. Wings come off airplanes. And nobody would have known what happened until they found the aircraft. If I would have been proud, I got this. I didn't have it. Pride stops you from doing that. Here's the other thing that, that will keep you from calling out to the control tower, calling out to God for help. Here's the second one, self-condemnation. I got myself into this, I'll get myself out of it, or I deserve this, so I'm just, I'm just going to crash the airplane. There are stories of pilots who got up in the air, were talking to the control tower, and literally took their hands off and said, I, I, I can't do this. Listen, you don't have that option when you're 3,000 feet in the air. You have to call out, you have to do what you're being told to do. You have to respond. And some of you mess up, and then you feel like you deserve what you're getting, and you condemn yourself, and you just, you don't want to cry out to God for help because you feel like you deserve what you're getting. Now, here's the thing. When we make bad decisions sometimes, when we rebel, there are times that we will reap consequences, but I want you to understand something. My Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if that's you today, if you're that person that you've sinned, you've walked away from God, you know you've messed up, you need to get out of that. And you need to realize that Jesus died for you, and yes, you messed up, and you need to own that, but you need to understand he died to cover that. And we don't have grace 
so that we can go sin and do whatever we want to. We have grace to help us when we do sin. And some of you need to lay that at the cross today. And I'm going to give you a chance in a few minutes to do that. You need to let it go. There's a third reason why we don't call out to God, why we don't call out to the control tower, and it's this. Ignorance. Ignorance. Sometimes we don't know. I'm not saying stupid. I'm saying ignorance. I, I remember years ago, do you remember when the 911 call system first came out? I remember seeing a video or something, and there was a lady that ran up and was needing help. Some, I think was on fire. They needed an ambulance. She went running out to the crowd and said, what's the number for 911? 911. <laughs> <911. laughs> That's it. But all she knew is 911 was the emergency. She didn't connect the dots between 911 is the number, you know, <laughs> bless her heart, right? She wasn't dumb. She was ignorant. And some of us don't even realize we can call out to God. Some of us don't realize that he's waiting on us to just cry out to him. And we need to realize now, see, now you're informed. You're not ignorant anymore. Now you know. And now you can choose to make the right decision. Psalm 34, verse 6 says this. This is the David talking. He said, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and look at this next sentence, and saved him out of all his troubles. Saved him out of all of his troubles. You know what that means? That means regardless of what the trouble is you're facing, if you will cry out to God, he will save you out of that. And I would encourage you in this today. Some of you may be going through some challenges, and the Lord may be using that challenge to show you some things about yourself. He may be saying, hey, there's some behaviors in here we need to deal with. If you keep doing this, you're going to keep ending up in storms. And he may want you to get that out. Do it. Some of you are, are going through a hard time right now, and, and you're going through some situations, and maybe you're, you're mad at God. You don't understand why you're going through this. It doesn't seem fair. You don't get it. Listen, folks, I'm just going to tell you this right now. There are going to be th some things that happen in life that you don't understand. But God is good, and he loves you, and you need to trust him even when you don't understand, especially when you don't understand, and allow him to work those things out in you. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, this is for you today, for he himself, God himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. When I called on the radio that day, see, I've lived this in real life. When I called on that radio, and every two minutes that guy was checking back on me, I see you. You're almost out of the storm. I know exactly where you are. There's an airport seven miles ahead. Just staring. What was he doing? He was encouraging me. He was keeping me on track. He was checking on me, making sure I was going the right way. And God wants to do that for you. But if I had never called, I would have never gotten the help. And some of you need to understand that today. Call him. Call him. You know, the thing that the, the control tower didn't say 
you idiot. Dummy. I'm going to let you go through the storm. He, didn't, he never did that. And God is a good father. He's not going to condemn you. He loves you. He's waiting on you to call him so he can save you. It's true. I'm going to say this. Some of you guys, there may be some ladies too, you need to lay your pride down. You need to call out for help. challenges at the house I've got God on speed dial and Ronnie (laughs) but you know what here's the truth I've done some dumb stuff I call Ronnie every time how much more so is God standing there waiting on you going just call me Let me help you. So it's time today to let it go. It's time today to call out to Him. Set aside your pride. Set aside your condemnation. Just let Him have you. Let's pray. Father, we're here today. And there are people from all different backgrounds and challenges. Father, I know there's some people right now that are going through storms and you want to help them. And I just pray, Father, right now that you're moving on their hearts and you're just letting them know you love them. This message is for them. If you're here today and you're going through a storm and you need God's help, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, it's me. That's me. raise your hand, just step out, come down to the front. I just want to pray over you. I'm not going to keep you long. Just step out, come down. We're going to pray. Just step down here on the front. 